welcome back to the podcast of Wednesday's Child. Thanks for joining us again. We're going to deep dive into another topic today and we're talking all about food shopping, which I know for many of you will just, I can almost feel your eyes rolling from here. It's um, a tricky one, particularly if you've battled with your eating disorder for a long time and you're just kind of looking at steps back into recovery. But I want to kick today's episode off with something I think is really important and it feels a bit like a public service announcement. I'm not talking about hands, face and face, nothing like that, but it's equally important in this time of COVID. So I want to talk about the fact that over this last few weeks, and we saw it in the early stages of the original lockdown, is we hear a lot on the news about hasn't the lockdown and the situation we're going through with COVID, hasn't it caused so many people to struggle more with their mental health? And in particular, we hear the word eating disorders mentioned, and we get told that eating disorders uh, referral rates are going up due to lockdown, due to COVID. And it occurred to me this week, and it relates to a couple of recovery coaching calls that I've had and some befriending that we've been doing, messages that we're hearing from you guys, that when you hear those messages, if you're someone that's been doing perhaps slightly better and isn't in dire need of a hospital bed or whatever for your own eating disorder, sometimes you hear those messages and think, what does that mean about me? What, What does that say about me? Have I not, should I be restricting more? Oh my God, oh, I'm now I'm panicking. I don't feel I'm sick enough. And I think we've got to be really careful about remembering eating disorder recovery is for a start individual. You shouldn't be worrying about how many people are or are not being referred. And actually, for just as many people as will be struggling through lockdown and COVID, there will be others who, because their life circumstances have changed, perhaps some stresses have been taken out of the picture. It may then be an inevitably good time to start recovery. And you should be celebrating and embracing that, not allowing your eating disorder voice to say, hell no, run back to me, run back to me. If you're in recovery, keep going. Okay, so joining me on the podcast is Sarah. Sarah, tell me kind of how you sit on something like that. Do you, can you kind of relate to that? Do you, do you think that's something? Without that relate to it, I also think it's important that we remember that the whole point of eating disorder recovery is to recover. It's not to stick in that, in that quasi zone. Um, and I do, I think there's definite, there's, there's, a, there's a competitive element almost. And I hate to use that phrase, but competitive element, like who can be the illest? I remember times when I was in treatment and, and you'd be sat around and you could, and I, I took part in it, almost hear everybody trying to be the best anorexic in the ward. Um, and it, that's a real kind of sign of how poorly we get with eating disorder recovery. But you've just, like you said, perfectly, it's your own journey. You stay on your own path. And you just get well, just keep going, going, going. And I spoke, spoke to someone who I befriended through Wednesday's child the other day. We were actually talking about that actually from a lockdown perspective for both of us, it probably has done our recovery a load of good. Um, it's not saying it's been easy, but it's done our recovery a load of good. Um, so yeah, I think, embrace so. I think it. If, it, if it takes out the picture, some of those day-to-day stresses you have, perhaps you're a yeah. working person and you no longer have to kind of battle your way into work and deal with those or even just those, um, I don't know, those things that might encourage you to over-exercise that now you're no longer being able to do in quite a way because your world is a bit more restricted. Sometimes that can be really helpful with what we're yeah. going through right now. And if you don't live by yourself, there's no hiding. You know, an anorexia, she loves you to hide away. She wants you to. She wants it to be secret and to be terrible. So when you're in lockdown and your, your house is busy and full because no one can go anywhere, there isn't any hiding. And yeah, that's painful to start off with. But if you embrace the fact that you now can't, then don't and just just get well just just get well 
excellent. So I thought that was a, a really important message for us to kickstart today's um, episode on. And obviously, if you know if you're having those experiences and you want to share that with us, then by all means, you know, jump on, send us a message, and you, you know, you never know, we might say, come and join us on an episode, and we can talk about that a little bit more. So today, we're going to move on to talking about food shopping. If you remember last episode, we were just getting into the practicalities of, you know, we talk a lot about what the eating disorder does to our mental um, our mental state, to how we feel about things, what we're thinking. And now we need to kind of get into the practicalities of shifting the way we're going about getting into the bloody kitchen. And now it's getting into the bloody supermarket, which, all right, under current circumstances, has some slightly nuanced approaches to it. I don't know about you, Sarah, but I've noticed that the supermarkets are bringing back in some different measures I had to pop yesterday and there was um, slightly more sort of emphasis I think on shopping alone and um, only limiting certain people to go in and being very strict this time about face masks so I think in the last seven days they've maybe cracked down on it a little bit harder but I think from an eating disorder perspective we have to say you know whether you're in lockdown and whether we are going through COVID for another year or not, this is just no excuse to avoid the food shopping because it's something that's really important for our recovery. We've got to get the hell out there and get it done. We've got to get the food shopping done and then we've got to try and think about getting it done in a way where we are in control of it, that we, we us, the, the healthy person, is the one that's making the decisions and spending the time in there. I think for me, the first thing to maybe think about if you sat listening to this about food shopping is just have a think about how much time you are actually spending either in, in physically in food shops or browsing the internet to do with food and watching TV to do with food because that's all just how that whole kind of feeling of, of having to be surrounded by food is just taking up your entire day. Um, I would go food shopping or two-way supermarket three or four, five or six times a day when I was off work and, and starting to, you know, and I was just purely, I hadn't started recovery at that point. Um, and just having to be in there all the time was just a, such, a, and that was the, the first behaviour I had to shift was actually the time that I spent in supermarkets. And it's quite almost, it can feel slightly shameful dealing with that admission, can't it? When you sit down and say, how long am I spending in a supermarket? What's my need to go to that supermarket? What am I even in there for? And I similarly can look back on situations where I might have been in the supermarket for over an hour, only to come out with, you know, two Granny Smiths and, a, you know, whatever it might be, you know, and a Diet Coke. And I've been in there all that time. And you know, every now and then now with a with a kind of clearer mind and, and a recovered state of being, I can look back and think, oh, my God, what must those security cameras have thought? You know, what what were people thinking? Why wasn't somebody pulling me aside and saying, excuse me, love, can I help you? Because you look bloody poorly. And every now and then during my own kind of journey back and, and sort of more so since being recovered, I have seen people where I've had a huge urge to want to go up to say to someone, I've seen you looking at that same shelf for, you know, a good five minutes. Can I help you? You know, and you just know sometimes that someone's struggling. Yeah, I, mean, I remember someone did it to me once. I was in a, I was in like the baker's counter, you know, where all the cakes and fresh bread and stuff is. Yeah. And that goodness knows how long I'd been stood there, but I'd been stood there long enough for a man. He wasn't an old man. He was like similar sort of age to me. And he just tapped me on the shoulder and he says, you can buy one, you know, you are allowed it and just walked off. And I was just like, I remember being absolutely stunned. And there are certain things in my recovery that really stick in my head. And I do think these little things kind of 
built up for me to then think about my real committed recovery when I went for it. And that's one of them when like a total stranger who's, who's not like a canny old man who's looking after you or a little kid, just a normal man, my sort of age, taps you on the shoulder and says, you can buy it, you know, you are allowed it. And it was that word he said, allowed. Yeah, well, thinking, we talk about permission so much, don't we? And yeah. I think that's the thing that, you know, if you need to sit in the car, and sometimes I did need to have this almost as a mantra in my head of things I needed to say to myself before I got out of the car. You know, like right now when you're sitting in the car and you remember to put your face mask on before you go, well, do a bit of a verbal exercise of, you know, I have permission, I can do this, I will do this, I'm going to get what I want, I will not be sidetracked, it's only my voice in that supermarket, not the eating disorders voice. You know, put some bloody headphones in and walk around with something else on in the sound. You know, we, we, we have been doing um, a company shopping and since the COVID, we have moved to doing some of that via things like WhatsApp and um, telephone calls. So, you know, I'd urge anybody that gets really, really stuck to say, let's us be the headphones in your ears if you need us to. Yeah. Or alternatively, if you're going to struggle listening to your own eating disorder voice while you go around there, well, stick your headphones in and, and look antisocial right now because it's not like anybody's going to be tapping on the shoulder to talk to you because that's not what we're in supermarkets for these days. We're not meant to be having a conversation with anyone. And there are some really good practical things you do to get yourself kick-started. So, like, one of the best things that I remember, I remember doing was because I'd realised that it was taking so long for me just to be in a supermarket and like you said, Debbie, come come out with nothing at all. Um, I used to give myself 25 minutes. So I used to take my two bags for life and I would go in and I had 25 minutes and wherever I got to in the supermarket in 25 minutes, I had to leave. And what the thing is, is the first time that you do it in my Tesco, the first aisle is like clothes, but we'll forget that. The, the first pop, it goes vegetables, fruit, yogurt. Um, and the first couple of weeks I was coming out of my 25 minutes limit and I had broccoli, carrots, uh, grapes, raspberries and air like bullshit yogurt. And it took me 25 minutes to get five items and I feed a family. And that was when it was kind of like, right, hang on. So let, we need to build on this. So then it was it, it, what that what that time limit did is bit by bit. I got further through the supermarket. But what it was teaching me was to stop reading labels. That's where I was spending my time was was the only reason why I got one yogurt in the first couple of weeks of doing it is because I'd spent ages looking at the labels on every single yogurt in there. Um, So and then then bit by bit coming out thinking, actually, hang on, look, I've got to aisle six. Oh, I've got to aisle 10. Oh, I'm at the end of the supermarket. Before you know it, you've got you've got a family shop and you have you've you've lessened that desire to look at labels so much. Um, And also going into the supermarket backwards. That sounds really stupid, but all the good stuffs at the end of the supermarket, all the stuff. Ah, oh, the sweets, the treats, the biscuits. Yes. The, 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 the bread, the cakes, that's all at the end of the supermarket. So get your two bags of life, run to the end of the supermarket and start backwards. Um, and then that way, again, you're making sure that in that 25 minutes, you can't fill up on vegetables. You have to fill up on breads and pasta and then you're getting into kind of the protein the meat kind of section of the soup you know what you can tell I know supermarkets well can't you look I know, I know the lid out um but just and just just get your toolkit out yeah absolutely and I, I mean I can remember having particular meltdowns I remember in my early stages of recovery having had one of those awful awful sessions of being in a supermarket for well over an hour and knowing I felt like a freak I knew people must have thought I was and I remember 
speaking to my mum straight away after, and I just said, I just tried to do the supermarket and I couldn't do it. And she said, I, I don't understand, you know, the shelves are just packed. And I think that's the thing sometimes we have to remember that people around us don't understand that no. because for them, this is something they do maybe once, twice, three times a week. It's, they call it an arduous task or they yeah. think of it as a chore, but they just bloody do it. It's a supermarket sweep. They run that trolley around as quickly as they can, stuff as much shift as they can and get out. And I remember saying to her, you don't understand. It just makes me feel sick. I think I'm going to have a panic attack. And the thing that made me so upset, and I can still think of think of it now, is saying to her, Mum, there are probably 30 aisles in there, and I'm only allowed to go down two aisles for three different things. And I remember her horror at saying, what do you mean you're only allowed? But I just didn't like the way we restrict what was going on the plate or going in our mouths. It was, here was this almost, if you like, a glorified sweet shop for a child. You know, it's this massive kind of Charlie's chocolate factory. And we're saying all these items that are in this one space and me and my eating disorder are telling me I'm allowed to go where the apples are, where the raw carrot is and, you know, where that bullshit yogurt is that I don't even like eating, but I will drag out for an hour a day and yet you're watching all these people just loading their trolleys and the point is they're living the normal life it's not you being somehow more clever you're not more intelligent because you're looking at all the labels you're the one who's absorbing all your time giving away hours of your life into looking at labels instead of living life and I oh I'd give anything just to not have been that person and, and just being totally overwhelmed by choice as well. That was the other thing. So once I got myself where I was going down certain hours and looking at certain things, it was then just being totally overwhelmed with actually what to have, which is where then another toolkit device, a list, and that sounds a really silly thing, but going, going old school and getting a list and, but making your list productive. So rather than it just saying, um, I don't know, beans, actually putting down the brand of beans so that when you get in there and there's four different choices and one of them says low or diet or protein enriched, you ignore those and you go for the one that you you know is on your list um, and making a big pact to yourself that you won't leave until every single item on that list is bought. It might be that you put that list together with somebody else so that then you can, you know, that you, you can make sure that what you're getting is, is good for, for yourself if you live by yourself or um, is good for the family. And then the biggie, when you get home, you eat the stuff that's on the list because <laughs> that was the next hurdle, isn't it? You, you get all this stuff, you get to the point where you can buy food. You get it into the house and then you're like, oh, I'm not going to have pizza anymore. No, no, no I'm gonna, I don't want pizza now. Um, I'm, I'm going to have a tomato salad. Absolutely. And actually, I, one of the things that was helpful in my recovery, um, when because I found the supermarket quite stressful, I had to have a pact with myself of what was my post-supermarket snack. So there would always be something that I had planned that I would come straight home and as a commitment to myself, I would have it as soon as I got home before I just shoved it away into a dark recess of a cupboard somewhere. So for me, it was always kind of, you know, a good couple of slices of fresh granary bread with you know, proper butter on or, or tiger loaf or something. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think it was a, it took me back to a childhood thing, you know, 
like my mum used to kind of make that for us whenever she'd gone to the bakers or whatever and for me that felt like no you've endured that it felt like a, you know you, it was an endurance test you've done the supermarket but now the, the fundamental thing you have to do once you've tucked everything away in cupboards is make sure you're bloody eating this stuff yeah, because yeah. that's you know otherwise there is just no point and the commitment to go around the supermarket to spend the money putting the stuff in the basket whatever and to get back home that's just one part of it and actually, I just, I've just um, sort of by accident sort of mentioned that one thing that I think is also an issue for some of us that with eating disorders, and I know it played a part for me, is, is the money, yeah. the spend. How much am I spending? Do I deserve to spend this amount of money? Could that money be spent elsewhere? Am I better to save? I think there's a hoarding instinct in all of us with an eating disorder and money sits as part of that. So something you need to work on, whether you do that via therapy or sessions or conversations that you have with your loved ones or your partner, your parent, whatever, before you get back into that shopping is, oh, you know what? I do have a bit of a thing about money, but actually I'm going to need to remember that an average person in a household spend X amount of money on food. And let's face it, guys, a good amount of money spent on a weekly food shop is a whole lot more effective than on, you know, having therapy for the rest of your life because you can't be an eating disorder. The food, the therapy that you need is the food. There is no greater financial investment. And it's, it's about just, you don't have to just eat off, off the bargain aisle. You know, I had, I had a thing where it had to have a yellow sticker on it in order for me to justify buying it in any shape or form. And then obviously the yellow sticker aisle, the bargain aisle tends to be, you know, hit and miss as to what's there. Um, but yeah, definitely making sure that your investment is in the food that you're buying. Doesn't it mean it needs to be fancy food? You know, I shop at Aldi, I shop at Lidl, I shop at Tesco. Um, but it just needs to make sure that you're spending the right amount of money for you and your family to make sure that you, you're getting everything that you deserve to have. It's not just what you need to have. Cause I went through that as well. It was like, once I'd started to be able to buy stuff in the supermarket, it was then like, I just get the stuff I need. Well, actually we deserve stuff as well. You deserve all the nice things in there just as much as anybody else does. And actually right now when life is really tricky anyway, you're not getting the benefits of the, the socialization that you normally would or the trips to the cinema or the holidays to look forward to. Whatever it would be those small tick things that you might look for, forward to, you know, buying yourself a dress by going on a girly shopping day out. We're not doing any of that. So right now, one of the things you can do is think I can buy a few more of these things that maybe ordinarily wouldn't be in my cupboard, but now's the time to start doing that because mm -hmm. When we have a better relationship with food, food does make us feel good. Whatever that is, there are foods, whether it's savory, whether it's sweet, whatever it is, food has the ability to change the way our brain thinks and behaves. Oh, so I had, um, Amy, Amy's a big baker and I've spoken about it before and she made these absolute lush biscoff, is that the word? That like biscuity caramel stuff, cookies. Oh, like, lovely. Um, and yesterday afternoon, I had to work yesterday, which is a Saturday. And so I was a bit down in the dumps as it was because I was actually at work. Um, but half of the other day, I thought, Do you know what? I just, I just need, just need one of those cookies. There was no rhyme, no reason other than the fact that there was just something that made me thought, you know, that, yeah, that'll make you feel better. And it made me feel great after, you know, a big mug of tea and dunking my cookie in it. Yeah. Um, but you're right. The minute that you start to get that healthy relationship back is when, you then you do start to realize that actually jelly jelly's quite a cool thing to make you feel good because <laughs> it reminds you of being a kid you know daft stuff like that that just it makes you smile again which is really important yeah absolutely and I think it's also worth mentioning that there will be aspects about food shopping that are just going to feel beyond possible for some people in the early stages so 
I, even in COVID, and I know because I made a point of observing yesterday, there was a sign out of the front of the supermarket I was at saying, please shop alone. But it just does say, please shop alone unless you are with a carer. Now, I would argue if you are somebody that maybe lives on her own, but has another single friend or a partner or a parent or whatever, if you have the ability to be able to shop with someone and you think that will make life easier, I think it's going to be a pretty hard supermarket person who's going to want to form an argument with you if you should say, can I just like discreetly mention that I happen to have an eating disorder and this is a real struggle. I think I mentioned this on a, a very early um, video message that I did at the start of the original lockdown that, you know, if you guys want me to write letters to every bloody supermarket in the country, you know, to give you permission to be in there with a, another person, I, I think that's really important right now. If it makes you feel more comfortable. For some of you, it won't. I know there were periods of time where when my mum wanted to shop with me, I just didn't feel I could because I yeah. felt it would end in tears and tantrums. And I felt in a way by having someone with me that I could get upset with, it would give my eating disorder permission to get angry and upset more and get more distressed and give me more of an excuse to go running out of the supermarket. So for a while I had to do it myself. It just, it was my way. And I'm not saying it's right for everybody, but I think, you know, sometimes you might just feel that that's something you've got to do initially for yourself. And then you might get to a point where, you need somebody else to, to come with you or as you mentioned Sarah it's that list or that process of talking it through with someone beforehand yeah and I think as well because of the safety we need to keep ourselves with we don't want to be going around multiple shops at the moment so like my little where I live my little like corner shop is on a little precinct so there's multiple places you can go and it was an eating disorders dream because if one place didn't have my special brand, then next door wouldn't have my special brand. And before you know it, you know, if you've got a particular brand of bread you have to have, for instance. But obviously from a safety point of view, we can't be going around multiple shops. So when you do go to the supermarket, again, use this as a real great opportunity to learn that you don't need a particular type of bread. You don't need a particular type of margarine. You can go into the supermarket and if flora is not available, you can have Lurpak. It's fine. It's the same stuff. It's just got a different label on the front of it. You know, and, and often if we're being really, really honest, the reason why we might have gone around for those different brands is because we were looking for the bullshit brand. You know, if yeah. Nimble wasn't in Tesco, I went to Iceland to try and find it and I went somewhere else to try and find it. Well, just don't get it. Just get bog standard white bread, bog standard brown bread, whatever it is you're going for. But you, we can't go around multiple shops now. So use it as an excuse to learn to just get what's there, to, to just buy what's on your doorstep. I think you're right. I think for so many people, choice is something that just becomes like we're standing like a rabbit in the headlights and Oddly, one of the experiences of my life that really did help me no end and I made me even more aware that even where I thought I was doing okay, actually, I was very, very restrained in what I would purchase and where from. I, I ended up living in Switzerland for a year. And if anybody kind of knows anything about Switzerland and supermarkets in there, one, they're not open, like, you know, anything after five o'clock on a Saturday, they shut until nine o'clock on a Monday. So you've got to be a damn sight more organized, but also, a, you're in a foreign country anyway, but B, you know, just actually quite limited ranges I found in, in all the places I was in. But it really snapped me out of my bullshit because it was like, well, you're either going to continue your recovery or you're just going to find this as an excuse to eat next to nothing because your original brands aren't there. Half the products that we would be used to as our kind of common British fare aren't here. So you're either going to shift your thinking and have something similar to, but test your taste buds, or you're going to give up and... 
the thing you end up deciding if you, if you want to embrace recovery is actually going backwards is not a bloody option. No. And it certainly made me more, it was, um, as I've said to people in the past, it, it's kind of like a home appreciation course because then when I got back into supermarkets in the UK, suddenly all those choices were there again, but I didn't feel panicked by any of those choices. It was just like, hey, I can have this this week because I didn't have that last week. And variety is good for us all. I think, you know, that's the only way we learn, isn't it? Yeah, too right. And it's all about just making sure that we remember that our lives aren't supposed to be all about food. They're just not. We're not supposed to be spending, you know, three times a day, every single day, loads of time in a supermarket. We're just not. Think of all the other things. And once you stop doing it and you think about your day's clock, you think, blimey, like, look at all these wonderful things I'm now doing because I'm not in the supermarket. Oh, when did I ever fit going in the supermarket in? Well, you fit it in because you were doing it instead of doing the other lovely stuff. Um, it's it's it, it's just it, the whole point of a supermarket is just to go grab your trolley, get your stuff, and disappear. It's not supposed to be a social event now or any time. But it goes back to so much of what we talked about about the relationship we have with food with an eating disorder is about putting it on the pedestal, isn't it? Yeah. And that shopping thing becomes about something that is a big deal because we like to make it a, a it almost as if it was as big as a vacation as if it was going on holiday we need to get a passport and you know whatever it we don't need to be making this the big deal this is the everyday thing that when we are recovered and well it's just something we do to feed ourselves and our family it as part of our daily life yeah and at the same time it's something we do just every day but also it can be something that we do to celebrate something lovely or to make ourselves feel good or to just enjoy some time somewhere you know there's nothing better is there than throwing a load of sandwiches in a backpack and just going out to the park and just having a sandwich on a picnic bench you know we're allowed to go outside still so so do it don't keep hiding away if if, if you you know go for your your daily bit of exercise but have a little picnic at the same time why not Absolutely. Well, I think we've covered quite a lot there about our kind of food shopping approaches. But as ever, it's really, really useful to hear what other people's experiences are. What's worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? And again, another commercial teaser, um, as you would expect of Wednesday's talk. We're going to just tease again that we've got our recovery program our six-month course coming up we're going to start that at the end of January and supermarket shopping is just one of those practicality tactics that we're going to be talking about during the course of that six-month process so if it's those sorts of things that you struggle with whether that is going shopping doing the cooking talking to friends and family about your illness stopping weighing yourself what you know body checking anything that it that you normally kind of affects you and keeps you stuck in your illness it's all those issues that we'll be talking and walking our way through over the course of six months so if you still haven't reached out to us and I know a heck of a lot of you have and a lot of you have been hearing about it on this podcast because pretty much as soon as the podcast goes live the inbox goes crazy so so if there's more of you that would like to get involved please do so I just want to caveat that by saying if you do not feel ready to fully embrace your recovery I fully understand that now might not be the time. What I want this recovery six months to be is a journey for those of us that feel really ready to embrace recovery, ready to do what it's take to take, ready to hear Sarah and I give you some tough talking, ready to do the homework, ready to follow through. For some of you, you may be at that kind of observance point. You're kind of ready to hear what other people are doing. And that's maybe why you use Instagram and you listen to our podcast, but you're not quite into the doing the doing. But this course really is for 
doing the doing that kind of sounds right to you Sarah yeah it's going to be all full of committed actions and loads of stuff to fill our toolkits with but actually more importantly about about us all going away after the sessions and not just navel gazing but then actually thinking right what's my goals this week what am I going to have a look at where's the support I'm going to get and and you know anyone that listens to us Debbie they know that it's going to be <laughs> there's going to be lots of swearing and there's going to be a lot of very frankness um but I wish I'd had someone do that for me at an earlier stage than they did you know so please 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 if you are ready for that proper committed action but you just need someone to help you push you and keep maybe booting you up the backside every now and again then join in and um it'll be fabulous I can't wait I'm so excited I really hope we're going to build a really great tribe of our, our first cohort of people to do this and you know don't you worry we have a have a plan for the next stage and we also have a plan for what we're going to do with you alumni that get involved in this first group so you know if, if you're at all interested drop us an email message us via our social media and and get involved and really roll your sleeves up and say do you know what 2021 was a crap year I've listened to Sarah and Debbie talk about all this no bullshit approach to eating disorder recovery now I'm in 2021 yes 2021 the pandemic is still here we're still on lockdown at least for now what better time to get started so if it feels like a good point of motivation and a bit of an impetus to get you going then we're here we're here to cheerlead you and to do it with you I think it's a kind of sense of build this community we're in this together and we can all help one another brilliant can't wait <laughs> okay right well that's all for this latest episode as ever please do get in touch if you want to send us messages with what your suggestions would be for a new episode something you want to share about your own experiences we're always happy to hear so get in touch with us and tell us how you're getting on with your recovery journey take care until next time and we will see you again soon